I just want this week to end. Is that okay with everybody? Oh. Can I, can you just let me let, let From me your let the mouth week end? To God's ear. Yeah, I think it's fun. You know, for those of you who don't know about Weird Religion and our podcasting schedule, we usually we usually podcast on Fridays. That's why mm. you get the extra loopy versions. It's my favorite time of the week. <laughs> yep, we say goodbye to the week by saying hello to Weird Religious stuff. And I have something. I'm just springing this on you, Dr. Doke. Okay, so you sent me Dr. something Brian Doke. and you told me not to watch it. And yep. I didn't, but I queued it up to a spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I want to I want us to watch something together. You may have already seen it. I know I have. Okay. Um it is a clip from the uh I forget which uh, 2017 film Wonder Woman. Oh, I think I saw that. Did you see it? Is that the one where there's like the Germans or somebody are doing like chemical warfare? It is it is set during World War 1. Oh yeah. So, I want to watch a little scene and then I want to reflect on it with you. Okay. This is where the scene is toward the end of the film. Mm-hmm. And spoiler alert, Wonder Woman Dies. is confronting <laughs> the, she is discovering and confronting the villain of the film. So I don't want to set up with more than that. Yeah. Just all you need to know is hero lady confronts the hero villain. lady confronts villain. Let's watch a little bit from Wonder Woman. What did she say? God killer? My dear child, that is not the God killer. It's not the God killer. You are. You are. Only a God can kill another God. <gasps> oh, Zeus yeah. left the child he had with the Queen of the Amazons as a weapon to use against me. Which is her? Liar. Uh oh. Out comes the lasso of truth. I, I love that lasso. I am. It's a lit, it's a literal lasso of truth. Yes. Okay. So in this scene, so if you yeah. are we still watching? Yeah. Watch just a little more. He's some, got some exposition here for us. Some people are walking around. Some airplanes. Yes, we're seeing scenes of of war making. So okay, so she she whipped the lasso of truth around him, mm-hmm. but it didn't work. No, he has told her that he is the god of war. <gasps> oh, that's right. So we see a bunch of war making here, and he gives us a little bit of an explanation. It might be mm-hmm. worth it just to watch a little bit more. All right. They're like milling around outside of planes. People are wearing gas masks. This is very terrifying. It is. You see um, the heroes of the story. I am not the god of war, Diana. I am the god of truth. Truth. Aries. Mankind stole this world from us. We ruined it day by day. Scenes of warfare. We ruined the world. The only one wise enough to see it. Only he sees it. Left too weak to stop them. All these years I have struggled alone, whispering into their ears, ideas, inspiration. So he's saying, he's saying, I was cast out of heaven. I, the God of war. Yes. I've been shackled up. 
I've been, but I've been whispering some ideas to humankind. And he's been planting seeds of war. So, yeah, seeds of war. It's not explicit. It's just kind of like subtle. Like, hey, maybe you want to mm. make some nuclear weapons. Hey, maybe you want to make some nerve agent. Right. Hey, right. maybe you want to kill that person. Weapons. Wonder Woman doesn't want to believe it. But she I doesn't. don't make them use them. No, no, no. We start these wars on their own. We do. All I do is orchestrate an armistice. I know they cannot keep it. Yes. So mm. this is a scene from Wonder Woman, a film that had critics. It was not a perfect film by any means. I thought it was a lot of fun, though. It, it was a lot of fun. I did not see the new one, the 1980s one, uh, with all the glow I colors I haven't either, but I've, heard, I've, I've read a few reviews. I'm just behind on things. You know, we, I haven't seen that one. But yeah. this one, I think this was a really fascinating take on war and the nature of war mm -hmm. and it basically brings an ancient um perspective on how wars happen and we are watching right now a um a devastating war happen between um russian invading forces of ukraine and it, it got me thinking about this scene mm. Because there's all these think pieces happening right now about Putin and mm -hmm. what is he thinking. Yeah. And I wanted to pose it to you because, listeners, Brian Doakes, one of his many fields of expertise, includes ancient monsters and ancient gods. And I wanted to ask you to reflect on, is there, like, this, this idea that there is a god of war mm -hmm. that is, like, making warfare it could there be like a spirit of war you know what's funny about this idea of 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 aries mm -hmm. in wonder woman saying that he's been whispering secrets i read an interview recently in politico with a woman named fiona hill i read that too oh you did oh. okay we'll post it friends yes, it's worth it a striking interview she um she was a a, a, a hero or anti-hero um depending on how you look at her in 2019 during the original impeachment trial of yes. a certain donald J J. Trump, um, yeah, what does the J stand for? Oh, justice. <laughs> um, <laughs> and probably, probably. I'm gonna look Jim, it up. Jim Bob. Jim Donald Jim Bob. Yeah, Trump. like relatable. Hashtag relatable. Hashtag relatable. Um, um, okay, so yeah. <laughs> you look that up, and I I'll have, have to do this. I am. Uh, so she was she was one of these like d um, diplomats. John, and John. John. Anyway, okay, okay keep going. Good. Yes, extraordinary woman. Listen extraordinary to woman, and she became kind of famous for her, for her testimony because they were so smart, and our, our own lawmakers didn't come out of any of that looking very smart. Mm -hmm. But but we have re really an intelligent group of diplomats who are just smart people. They know about languages, literatures, religions, borders, all the stuff. And Fiona Hill is certainly one of these people. And she, in this interview, says... Um, and I quote from the interview, she says, quote, I've kind of quipped about this, but I also worry about it in all seriousness, that Putin's been down in the archives of the Kremlin during COVID, looking yes. through old maps and treaties and all the different borders that Russia has had over the centuries. He said repeatedly that Russian and European borders have changed many times. And in his speeches, he's gone after various former Russian Soviet leaders, etc. Mm -hmm. So two things about that. Number one, I have been reading... Um, I had been reading Pascal's Ponce where mm -hmm. he, um, and I'm on this part where he, he talks about how stories of origins are often revolutionary, which um, 
connection to this, you can, if you dig back into the past, history can be used this way. Nietzsche also has a famous quote about using history, the, the use and abuse of history. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. you know, any history is a good history you can use, you know, in some people's hands. And if you look back to origins, you can always show that something, if something has changed over time, and I'm, I, I, I have no doubt that this fulfills the qualities of many logical fallacies at the same time. If you, if you can say that something has changed many times, you can always make the case that it doesn't need to be like it is now against over and against those who will look at the current world order and be like, no, this is our world order. This is good. And they can be like, no, 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 no. This border has changed 278 times right, in the right. past 500 years. Okay. But in response to this is a very, this is a very um, Baroque answer to your question. <laughs> but I, I'm in that kind I of spring, I, I just, I like, it was a surprise. So keep going. Keep I, going. I, I am doing this on the spot for better or for yes. worse. But I imagine when, when you asked, when you when you played this and 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 you want you know when you asked about about a, a spirit of warfare you know and so on I th- I thought of this could be a moment when Ares would whisper to such of Vladimir Putin I, down in the archives yes. so I among confess, the old maps that's where you get the whisper of what history could be like we were on the we're on the same page because I read that article last night too and I read that interview because I was so struck by. Fiona Hill's testimony. I listened to it in its entirety while it was happening during mm. the um, impeachment trial. And so yeah. I was so struck by her. Yeah. So I wanted to hear what she said. And when I um, read that, I thought of this scene from Wonder Woman where, so just so you know, Wonder Woman is unique in the superhero sphere in that she is a peacemaker by nature. You know, uh. like many of these other, many of the other superheroes are not. They wage wars you know supposedly according you know for good reasons hot take do you feel gender essentialized because of that well i it's a really there's a great book by jill lapore about wonder woman Mm -hmm. and i think it's called the secret history of wonder woman Mm -hmm. and and she is like an extraordinary historian who takes up that question because um the character of wonder woman was created by a very strange only in america kind of guy who was a professor at Harvard for a while and also a a noted bigamist who had these two wives, one of which, one was a secret wife. One had Mm. a wedding ring. The other had, um, I think, brass bracelets, which is what Wonder Woman wears in the comic book. And he created this heroine. Did they know about each other? Oh yeah, they all live together. So that, that is I was the gonna thing. say, well, you said secret. I didn't know if secret, because it, it feels like to be bigamy, they have to know about each other and it has to be kind of Oh like yeah, thing. there's, there's. I mean, I could go on and on about this book, but there's this great scene where Why his not? first go wife- <laughs> Yeah, okay, okay. You have no plan well, here. Well, his first wife, um, they had been, I think if I remember right, college sweethearts or something, they had been married quite young. Mm. His first wife, he goes on a walk with her and tells her that he wants to basically bring his grad student in to this relationship um, and- that they are going to, he wants to marry her too. And the wife, basically, the first wife says, uh, okay, under the condition that I get to go back to work and she raises the kids, if I remember right. Oh, wow. So they have this like very fascinating, the the guy who made, uh, who wrote Wonder Woman also invented the lie detector test. What? I mean, it is a wild story. So the lasso of truth. The lasso of truth. Come on. Right, yeah. So, So anyway, I don't want to go far too far down that road, but I've been sort of fascinated by the mm-hmm. Wonder Woman character and mm-hmm. that that book. And I mean, I've gotten a couple of details wrong, but it's been a while since I read it. But anyhow, so um, we'll post a link. You all can read it. Yes, I highly recommend it. But one of the things that I thought was so fascinating is that she's supposed to be this character who um, prevents war, and then she is confronted with 
the oh. god of war. Oh. And that it's very haunting when you think about, because most historians will say that World War One is one of the most nonsensical global catastrophes ever. I mean, it just happened. World War One, Yes, just, I, for a lot of stupid reasons. Just came about out of nowhere. In fact, someone was pointing out that in the, uh, this was on on, a, on the Slate's Gabfest, mm-hmm. political Gabfest podcast. They were saying, they were looking back at State of the Union speeches um, and they this the state of the union speech they were saying six months before world war one the u.s president at the time was like we have entered a period of unknown and uninhibited peace <laughs> you know basically just like saying right you know so totally out of touch with i guess what no one saw coming or and then then like they went and sent the the best and the brightest to go die yeah yeah, yeah um in the kind of warfare that would make you truly question your life choices <laughs> Right. Um. Well, one of the I, I remember the story from World War One. There was a a woman, a woman's rights activist, um, Jeanette Pickering Rankin, mm-hmm. who was elected to the U.S. House of Representatives in Montana in 1916. She was one of the only people to vote against going to war. Really? Um, yeah. And um, and so I think of when I think of Wonder Woman, I think of this woman. I think of myself as a um, mother, and I think. I don't want to send my children, you know, to die. No. Uh, so yes, I, I was just really struck by this particular moment because I'm nervous about right now because it, it seems I see some parallels in just how superpowers get into these kinds of conflicts and how difficult yeah. it is to get out. Yeah, that's right. And we don't, we don't know oh listeners what the world situation will be when you're listening to this. We record things sometimes pretty close to the time that we release it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's like a couple of weeks ahead of time. So um, you know, insert insert whatever kind of new disaster, new devilry has come onto the world scene, or maybe there's been a great peace deal. Um, but we hope. Um, but but history can get big on you. World history should tell us that history can go big on us at any moment. Well, I wanted to ask you: Is there an ancient, like some sort of ancient scenario that we should think about? Because the the language of Wonder Woman borrows heavily from Greek and Roman mythology. Oh, and right. so I thought I should ask you, yeah. is there some sort of ancient discourse about the spirits um, involvement yeah. in wars, monsters, that kind of thing that we should be thinking about now that would help let us? Let me, this is, this, is all, this is all quite off the cuff here, but let me read you a little biblical story that it, you are not likely to have read any time recently. Although knowing you... In your good Bible background. Oh, well, I was such a nerd as a I kid. Bet I, you, would just... I bet you read this many times. It'll be a good test. Um, I, this is a situation. Well, this is in the book of First Kings. This is in the Hebrew Bible, Old okay. Testament. Um, the book of First Kings is kind of like King David has already been king. Solomon has already been king. The nation has already split into two. Things are going more or less badly for everybody. It seems like things are going in the wrong direction. But, you know, everything hangs in the balance. Mm. And at the beginning of 1 Kings chapter 22, here's what, and I read here. Um, For three years, Aram, that's another nation, and Israel continue without war. That's great. It's great not to be at war, right? Yeah. But in the third year, King Jehoshaphat of Judah, that's like the, that's the little kingdom that David was a king of. David was a king of everything, but it kind of got split apart. And that's where David was from, Mm -hmm. down there. And that ends up being very important later on in in the story. Yeah, because the Northern Kingdom, the the breakaway group, or what the Bible presents as the the kind of rebellious, the 10 tribes in the North that go away, they actually get wiped off the map by the Assyrians uh, in the year, you know, roughly 720. But anyway, um, this Jehoshaphat of Judah came down to the king of Israel. The king of Israel said to his servants, do you know that Ramoth Gilead belongs to us? 
yet we are doing nothing to take it out of the hand of the king of Aram. So he's like, you know, this is like a Putin thing. Like, do you not know that Ukraine belongs to us? Let's go take it. Mm-hmm. He said to Jehoshaphat, will you go with me to battle at Ramoth Gilead? So they're proposing an alliance here for this thing. Okay. Jehoshaphat said, totally. That's my translation. He's like, yeah, totally. <laughs> this is the Brian Doak translation. But totally. now here's where it gets interesting. I actually didn't know there was going to be that close of a parallel with the taking of land that this was supposed to belong to them. I'm, I'm actually kind of, my stomach is turning. This actually, this whole episode feels scripted and we just made this up. I know. Spot, which I, I say wow. both as a compliment, but I'm getting creeped out. Yes. Compliment to ourselves, but I'm creeped out. But Jehoshaphat also said, he's like, one more thing. He's like, oh, f- quote, inquire first for the word of the Lord. Let's ask a prophet. Wow. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, about 400 of them, and said to them, should I go to battle against these people or refrain? They're like, do it. God is on our side. Wow. But Jehoshaphat said, um, is there no other prophet of the Lord? Okay, why is he asking that? This is a group of court prophets. Right. Can you guess what a court prophet is in the ancient world? Well, I'm going to guess that they are in some ways funded by <laughs> by their boss, the king. Uh, we all have court prophets in right, our lives. Right, Our right. close friends, our spouses. I'm so mad. Am I right yeah. to be mad? Yes, does you this, are. Does this outfit look great? Oh, it looks yes, fantastic. Yes, it does. Right, um, right, right. I know there's some people I can count on to be mad at the people I'm mad at and yeah. be happy with the people I, I'm happy with. I feel like, you know, prior to podcasting, we usually have a little session where we're like, yeah, you should be mad at that. Be mad at this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we're like, that's yeah, not, That's I not am. petty at all. That's not petty at all. Yeah. You are so righteous. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I knew it. Yep, yep. So he's got some of these, right? Right. Jehoshaphat said, is there any other, uh, anybody else we could ask? He's, let's say he's a little skeptical. So mm-hmm. this idea that everyone in the ancient world was just like a, a dupe, totally not true. You no, know, the there's very... Yeah, smart character. Where a king here is like he sees into the situation. Mm-hmm. Hebrew narrative is so sparse and laconic that they're never going to go on a long, kind of like background. Like now you see, people knew about the political dynamics of blah blah. They, right. they don't say stuff like that, but you have to infer it through dialogue. Mm-hmm. Isn't there anyone else we could ask? The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, and, and uh, there's still one other by whom we may inquire of the Lord, Micaiah, son of Imla. But I hate him, for he never prophesies anything favorable about me. Only disaster. <laughs> Jehoshaphat said, let the king not say such a thing. In other words, bring him out. So the kings of Israel summoned an officer and said, bring quickly Micaiah, son of Imlah. Now I'm taking a long time with this, but there's a huge payoff for your question. So okay. bear with me. This unnamed king of Israel is the king um, um, Ahab, I believe, who's been right. king this whole time. And, you know, he's has his own problems with prophets. And has stuff. his own problems, has been a bad guy in the biblical narrative. Okay. So he's this unnamed, quote, king of Israel, and Jehoshaphat's the other guy. So the the king of Israel, uh, Ahab, he's the one with the court prophets, okay? Yeah. Now the king of Israel and King Jehoshaphat of Judah were sitting on their thrones. Just imagine the scene. Arrayed in their robes at the threshing floor at the entrance of the gate of Samaria. That's the capital of the north. And all the prophets were prophesying before them. Zedekiah, son of Chananah, made for himself horns of iron. And mm. he said, so they're, they're, they're even getting into like theater. I'm loving it. He's I like, love theater. This is Pentecostalism, so. yeah, right? Yeah, I'm here for he it. He gets the horse of iron and says, thus says the Lord, with these you shall gore the Arameans until they are destroyed. All the prophets were prophesying the same and saying, go up, go up, fight. Mm-hmm. The God mm-hmm. is on your side. The messenger who had gone to summon Micaiah said to him, look, the words of the prophets are favorable to the king. Let your word be like the word of one of them and speak favorably. So they're trying to like prep him. Yeah, for the yeah, meeting. yeah. I've been prepped for a meeting. You, who, has, yeah. who, who among yeah. us hasn't this been This is what your for? boss wants to hear. You will go in here and you will say this. Um, 10 times out of 10, I'm like, yes, I will. <laughs> right. But Micaiah said. <laughs> yeah, nine and a half. I've seen you. 
Go ahead. ahead. Micaiah said, as the Lord lives, whatever the Lord says to me, that I will speak. Mm. When he had come to the king, the king said to him, Micaiah, should we go to war? He said, go up and triumph. The Lord will give it into the hand of the king. Mm. But the king said to him, how many times must I make you swear to tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? (sighs) Micaiah said, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains like sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, these have no master. Let each one go home in peace. The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, didn't I tell you he would say a rude thing about me? Micaiah said, this is now this. Now I'm finally arriving at your moment right here. This is first Kings 22, 19. Then Micaiah said, therefore hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne with all the host of heaven standing beside him to the right and the left. Notice the spatial parallel. The two kings had been arrayed on their thrones. He's like, and he's like the real king. There's a different king. There's a different Mm -hmm. king sitting somewhere. And here's what happened in the special throne room to which I had access in a visionary sense, I guess. And the Lord said, who will entice Ahab so that he may go up and fall and die at Ramoth Gilead? One said one thing and another said another until a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord saying, I will entice him. How, how the Lord asked him. He replied, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all of his prophets. Then the Lord said, you are to entice him and you shall succeed. Go out and do it. So you see, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these, your prophets. The Lord has decreed disaster for you. Done, done, done. I, I so. paused. Usually you and I are constantly sort of overlapping each other. Um, when we talk, but I had to pause there for a second because it is, it's a, this is an eerie passage Isn't for it? right now because Isn't I it? think about Fiona Hill mm-hmm. speculating and she knows probably more about Putin than any one person in the Western world. Um, so she speaks from considerable expertise. She does. So her imagining him down there is not an, not an out there um, form of speculation. So, thinking about those words and then thinking about the almost entire, as far as I know, uniform response by the Russian Orthodox church of support for, and in fact, sacralizing, baptizing the war basically and making it a righteous effort. Right. Um, Now you can see in um, at least the regime of, of Putin, it is a scary thing to be that dissenting prophet. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and it, but it's a scarier thing to think about this being, you know, something that like the idea that God would entice someone into war for their demise. I mean, cons- it doesn't really account for like the children and the <laughs> women and the men and the, it accounts ev- for nothing. Yeah. It also appears to be straightforwardly divinely sanctioned lying in order to achieve this end. This is, um, wow. What a wild story. It's a wild story. It's a very, you know, and for those who don't read the Bible who are like, is the whole Bible like this? No, I mean, this is a very unique kind of story, yeah. but. It, but there it, are weird stories. But in there the are Bible. bizarre stories. <laughs> you know, a story that actually is parallel to this would be the story of the divine council and all that happens in the book of Job, mm-hmm. which is a similar insight into divine workings. I mean, very, very little in the Bible do you read God doing all, or talk, doing anything or talking to anybody that's not a person. So this is actually a scene which is like in the heavenly realms around the throne room. It involves a person. Now, the aftermath in this story is this other prophet who had put on the horns, all Pentecostal style. Yeah. He comes up and slaps Micaiah on the cheek and says, you know, since when did you start speaking in the name of God? Micaiah's like, okay. And uh, Ahab- <laughs> He's like, I tried to tell you guys. I tried to, Ahab disguises himself, goes out to battle way in the back and is like, I'm just going to disguise myself. And he gets hit by a stray arrow and dies. That the 
absurdity and the um, just the pointlessness of war. I think that this story is such extraordinary um, narrative mm-hmm. because it captures what the people who I know, I mean, I have many people in my family who've been in the military, what they have said for those who've been to war, what they have said about war, mm-hmm. which is what's the famous war is hell, yeah. right? Like it, there is no glory. So the idea that you would die in this kind of just random kind of way, right? you know, there's all this, I, I am so struck by the, the high kind of um, like the really wild, like prophetic, Oh, I'm in the presence of God and all this kind of stuff. And then just to die in that sort of way just seems. Well, in this idea, I mean, this is a deeply biblical idea. It's probably not unique to the Bible among all of the world's ancient religions. Um, You know, of course the Greek Iliad Mm -hmm. famous war book has tons of, you know, stuff about fate and you can't escape your fate and all this kind of thing. Um, But the idea that somehow everything is going to find its home, you know, like Mm -hmm. you can, you can dodge something for a minute, a moment, maybe even, you know, years or some amount of time. The Iliad has that kind of, of fatalism about it. Yeah. The ancient uh, Greek epic, um, Mm -hmm. probably written around the same time that many biblical texts were written or, or biblical events taking place in the old Testament, let's say. Um, but you have this sense, you know, you, you drop into the Trojan war right on the beach there in the beginning of the Iliad. And it's like, they've been there for a long time, but you know, you know, the city, you know, you know, the city of Troy is going to fall. It's just a question of when and who's going to die in the process. Well, all of this reminds me, I, I was struck when you were talking about how, how little um, people who get really excited about Bible prophecy when they are starting to talk about war, how, how little they use passages like this that point to the absurdity and the um, just the random death that <laughs> happens in war. Instead, they're, right. you know, they love to, to, think about David. They love to think about Gideon. They love to think about these stories that kind of have, have um, really inspirational triumphant moments. Of course, of course. But nobody wants to think about like, it could also go this way. No, nobody wants to think about it. I mean, I would think that this is something not like I'm some great purveyor or liver of wisdom in my own life, but I would think that this is something that the wise in any religious tradition do. Certainly in my own tradition, wisdom is not just about picking stories of triumphalism for yourself and then living those. Otherwise, what have you done with the concept of God, but made God merely a cipher for your own success in the world, which is very terrifying, but rather what you would do is try to find a way to like, let all of these stories live in you and try to figure out the moment that you're living in and, and let, and, and let the stories of triumph temper, temper and cure your despair or let stories of subtle stories of defeat temper your triumphant, you know, moments let's you, say you know the image that came to mind um when you uh, i forget exactly what the the line was about you all need to go home basically like put down your weapons and <laughs> oh, go yeah, home yeah, yeah, yeah. um you keep hearing that again and again from ukrainian people and i was struck by this video of a tractor towing a, a tank away mm-hmm. and that i mean I follow a lot of religion uh, reporters and religion scholars on social media. And of course people right away were associating that with biblical passages about turning, um, turning from swords and, and picking up plowshares, you know, like, uh, and so anyway, I, I was thinking about um, 
it's very strange to reflect on how the more things change, the more they stay the same. We're talking about ancient societies and it's still the same, um, the same heartbreak, the same images. I know. I know. You also see images, um, of the Ukrainian people turning household items into weapons. Right. In order to fight, um, in the same way. So you, you know, you have almost this like physical object battle of turning things into weapons or turning weapons into peaceful things. And as, you know, um, you know, as we wait in the balance to see how something like this will turn out, whether it'll be some kind of dirty compromise in which Russia sort of gets things and then kind of backs out or, or whether the Ukrainian people will have a miraculous victory or whether or not this escalates, which Fiona Hill thinks it could definitely escalate into Mm -hmm. something. She says, Oh yeah, Putin would definitely use nuclear weapons. Just you wait. Um, Regardless of which scenario it is. It's like, these stories, these ancient stories, uh, you know, pouring over maps in the secret map mm-hmm. room from a thousand years ago. Um, these, you know, I heard a saying the other day, it's like, never bring facts to a story fight. That's exactly, there, there could be no truer so, statement than that. So you've got, you've got, you've got another, another instantiation of the world's story fight going on. It never ends. Thanks for listening, weirdos. For more, find us on Twitter, Insta, Facebook, and our website, weirdreligion.com. Keep it weird. Yes.